1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports, joined today as always by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we have a bit of a news and notes wrap up for everyone. There's a lot of things that we actually got to get through. We were curious on our way back from L.A., what exactly we were going to chat a little bit about in our midweek episode. But there's some things to go through, some announcements that were made uh, stateside and globally uh, that we'll take a a deeper dive into. But before we get into all that, a quick reminder to watch all of our Attacking Third episodes, previews, recaps, interviews on YouTube. Please subscribe to our page to get notified whenever we go live at youtube.com slash attacking third home sweet home. Lisa, how are you doing? (laughs)
0: It's so good to be home. I mean, I've been home in like two weeks, it feels like. (laughs) Happy to be here. Happy to be with you. Literally seconds before we went live, I was like, wow, it's great to be back in my little studio. And you were like, me too. Like The office is nice to be here. Um, And it's, of course, great to be back with you. We got to hang out this weekend in LA at Angel City Fan Fest, um, do a live show there and everything. But this is a little bit more um, our pace back to normal, back to the routine, yep. back to giving the people what they need to know about the world of women's football, and I'm happy to be doing it here with you on this Wednesday morning. Happy Wednesday, all! Happy Hump Day.
1: Yeah, happy, happy midweek uh, to everybody. Yeah, I'm with you. I was like, oh, my my little safe space here, my my home office, uh, ready to chat about all things soccer with you. And you know, I just feel like uh, the way news sort of drops, like sometimes it drops in between, like our our game previews or our game recaps. And and sometimes there's not a ton of time to to dive into them, but um, doing this midweek, we get to maybe touch on a couple of things that you weren't actually able to, to react to, but uh, it's, it's given us some time to take a look at the, the news cycle. Cause there's been some, some interesting things that have dropped. Um, uh, around the globe. Like I said, let's start with maybe an injury update. Unfortunately, uh, in, in our preview ahead of, uh, last week's games, of course, sometimes we do our previews and it's, um, before availability reports, but, uh, Nadia Nadeem had confirmed just before racing Louisville's win over angel city FC that she has indeed torn her ACL. Uh, she had just torn her right ACL in September of 2021 and went through a comeback to 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 push through to the Euros with Denmark. Um and now she confirmed that the injury that she exited the match against the Portland Thorns was another ACL. So best wishes to her. Not something that you want to see if you're a racing fan. Maybe at, at this time uh in the season as well, right? It's 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 towards any energy. fan.
0: I'm gonna yeah. speak for any fan out there, this is devastating. Um
1: That's such a tough, tough road to sort of like have to go through all that, you know, once already just last year. And then now you've got um, a similar journey already paved for you, um, you know, the rest of the way. And uh, it it maybe puts a question mark around things for for the World Cup.
0: Yes, I think that's uh, really important to, to talk about and touch on. I mean, Nadim tore her right ACL early September of 2021. And at that point, completely devastating for her, um, for racing Louisville for Denmark, her national team, she was just on the cusp of 100 caps for that team. Um, and, and she made a verbal statement saying that I want to be back. I want to play in the euros. I want to play in the world cup. I'm going to work her butt off to recover and to come back stronger and better than ever. And she did that when she first stepped onto the The pitch this year, I was like, wow, that's the quickest ACL recovery I've ever seen. And the fact that a week or so at at one year and a week or so after she initially tears that right ACL, it's now her left ACL, which is a truly, truly devastating. Um, and, and one of like the worst parts about this is we see this a lot of times in, in athletes. When they tear one ACL, they go to recover so much. And it's not that they neglect their other leg, but they're focused so much on the leg that they just had surgery on and strengthening and making sure it's stable and getting ready to go that the other leg, the, the one that didn't receive surgery, ends up um, not not being neglected by any means, but putting so much work on that left leg and then something like this happens. And it's just truly unfortunate to happen in a match like this before the world cup, as you mentioned um, 34 years old, she's wants to be back out there though. Yeah. That's what she said. She was like, I'm a fighter. Um, I'm devastated, but I faced obstacles in rough times since I was a child. So you might say I'm an expert in overcoming <laughs> them. I was born a fighter and I know that nothing can break me down. So Nadim's spirit is unmatched. It's truly incredible. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. And I know it's like, it's, there's those moments when you're, when you're recognizing what type of injury it is. Right. And I mean, like, this is someone who's, like, not Nadeem's a freaking doctor. Like, she's straight up doctored Nadeem. She's so like, a you're kind of like, <laughs> like, seeing her reaction this is obviously someone a any professional athlete kind of knows their body better than anybody right and then you have b this added component where it's just like she's a medical professional and you're just like oh like she definitely knows she really knows what's (laughs) going on with with her body and you were just hoping that it wasn't the the worst um but she went in in ahead and uh and confirmed her her injury and you don't ever you know want to like highlight things like like age stuff like that but you know it's just one of those things where it's like Health and in science, it's just like your body kind of heals differently if you're an athlete in your thirties versus an athlete in your, you know, young teens. Right. So I'm, I'm hopeful that um, she's able to make a speedy recovery and like outside of like NWSL, like knowing this international windows coming up, like obviously she's not going to be part of that roster for um, Denmark going up against Australia and their friendlies. Right. you wonder like with the short kind of timeline, it's like about eight to to nine Mm -hmm. months or so for the next world cup when rosters will probably be, be named that's um, close. It's really, really, really close, right? So you, you just wonder like what it also means for a, a team and program like like Denmark, right? I believe um Brunel Harder is also like kind of um mm-hmm. kind of nursing a hamstring injury at this moment. I, I do believe she got named to to the roster in October. So perhaps that's good news. But um you just you just never know. It's just yeah this, this next timeline like this next phase of, of of build up to the World Cup is, is so short. Um, it, I think it's short people anticipate.
0: And, and as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, age, I guess, plays a factor in this in terms of like people's bodies. But the fact that Nadim just went through this, yeah. she knows every step of the way what to do, which frankly could be very good or very bad mentally on an athlete in that type of recovery, because she's going to be comparing her right ACL recovery to this left one the entire time. And if she's not at the same progression three months as she was with a, a year ago, um, I hope that mentally she can almost reset herself, uh, get on track, be be incredibly focused on this recovery and strengthening her whole body um, and not compare one recovery to the next because it's completely different. It, it's not the same it's not the same anyone will tell you that one injury to the next is entirely different same way you wouldn't compare an injury that I suffer to one that you suffer they're they're very different so um I mean prayers up to her for sure thoughts with her um I know the racing Louisville team came out against Angel City and they fought hard probably for Nadim I mean she's such a leader on that team and they got a big win last weekend for her but um prayers to her. I guess we'll see what happens in seven, yeah. eight months. We'll hear from her. <laughs> She's very vocal on social media. Give her a follow. Um, people that already follow her know how vocal she is and how much she communicates with her fans and people that are interested in her life. So we'll we'll hear from her. Speedy recovery yeah. to Nadia and Nadim for sure.
1: Yeah, best of luck uh, on our next uh, recovery injury. And uh, I'm I'm sure it's something that we'll be keeping an eye on as that World Cup does get closer. Uh, Let's keep things uh, globally, though. We're talking about uh, the the Denmark national team a little bit and and what injuries uh, could affect them. But uh, there's some news coming out of Spain that we really wanted to touch on that we unfortunately were unable to touch on for a number of reasons. Uh, News dropping almost about a week ago or or so. But... um, there was obviously NWSL playoff push happening, Women's Super League kicking off. Lisa was having adventures uh, in Europe and having some much-needed R&R. Um, but now uh, there's an opportunity for, for you and I both to sort of touch on this uh, about Spain's women's national team. There's some news that was uh, broken uh, by the federation. I think that we need to start there, right? So yeah, the... Um, the Real Federation of Spanish, uh, uh, Spanish football came out, uh, with a statement, um, that kind of, you know, caught headlines and it was an official statement, uh, in which within this statement, the Federation, um, put a public notice that, uh, they received 15 emails from players, uh, with the same wording, um, uh, alluding to the current state of the national team and how it affects, um, you know, their uh, emotional state, and uh, it was very curious. Within this release, the federation put like quotations around those words, like uh, you know, emotional state and how it affects them, and uh, ultimately the federation. Uh, said that uh, they would not allow players to question the national team coach and the coaching staff and referred to the emails ultimately as a resignation from the national team and at moments throughout this statement, alluding to the fact that that means there's potential for players in the youth levels and lower yeah. levels, um, you know, opportunities for them, perhaps. Um and that this was, uh, you know, egregious, that this was something uh, that these emails and this re- these resignations were something um, that are unheard of, you know, in, in, in men's and women's uh, programs. And uh, the only way players uh, would be allowed to return in the future is if they basically admitted that they've made a mistake in their resignations and asked for forgiveness. Yeah, Um quite frankly just like first reactions to this lisa like
0: well also before we jump into first reactions another statement that i want to like point out there is Mm -hmm. they said that refusing to honor a call-up for the national team was classified as quote a very serious infraction and can carry sanctions of two and five years of disqualification
1: there there was a lot of um yeah i think like we're just getting into like first reactions now it's just um just like the, the, the wording in this, like the, there were a lot of levels within this where I just couldn't help but feel like a lot of condensating language um, and really unfortunate um, type of statement to come out. Because again, this was, this was direct from the Federation. Federation. Um, And this, you know, this, this scenario in which 15 players sent a collective statement via email directly to their federation um, and then only for the federation to sort of kind of utilize that and and try to maybe, you know, get ahead of it, so to speak and paint players in a negative light. Um, The fact that the players tried to go directly to their federation first
0: you know without they tried to keep it private they tried to to work directly with the source of the federation and say we're not too happy with what's happening right now we need to take some time away um you mentioned first, um, first reactions and and i was when i was reading this i was like that was honestly my first reaction. I was like, wait, what did the players say? I like thought I missed something because yeah. again, I was traveling. I was, in sure, out, yeah, sure in like, I was in and out of service and in and out of Wi-Fi um, on top <laughs> this of This episode is
1: both for our listeners and for Lisa. <laughs> because I,
0: I saw this news and I was like, wait, what did I miss? What did the players say? What did they do? Yeah. What happened? Was there an outward protest? Was there a letter that came out? And there wasn't. So that was honestly my first reaction was these players went directly. They sent individual emails not as a group, individual 15 emails to the Federation yeah. um, with similar wording. So obviously some collaboration on the back end, but saying uh, that individually they were not going to participate. And then the Federation took it public and, and could almost put their spin on it or in a sense put put their wording on what they wanted to happen out there. Um, yeah. And uh, with my understanding, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Sandra, but the Federation didn't respond to those players in individually. They responded in a public statement statement. instead of responding to those players individually and having those conversations, which is what the players initially wanted. And I think another thing about the statement that the Spanish Federation put out there is that this they said something along the lines of, this has never happened before. It has happened before. It has happened before. (laughs) Lest we all forget, Kristen Press, after playing with Manchester United, um, she announced that she was going to take some time away from soccer for her own mental and spiritual health. And the NWSL and and Racing Global, who had her rights, like complied to that and said, yes, take care of yourself. U.S. soccer said, yes, take care of yourself. And she was back on the national team when she was ready to play. Um, So it has happened before. Has happened before, Um, so I think that was also something a little bit interesting to to read and hear what was said. But there came more responses after this initial statement from the federation.
1: Yeah, I um, we saw like when this statement came out. um, Obviously, it was trending. It was uh, probably one of the bigger soccer stores in the the news cycle, Um, and the reporting around it eventually the the names of the players who you know were amongst the 15 who issued um you know emails to to the federation started to drop and and these weren't you know names that people are unfamiliar with these are uh, big big players and with big clubs many of them uh representing barcelona specifically but you know like players like Atiana Bonmati we had we saw Mapi Leon, you know, a couple of Barca players there, um, Sandra Panos, Mariona Cadentli. Like it, it's, it's, it's. It was interesting to sort of see the players and the clubs in which they were tied to. Among these fifteen people, made note that there were no players from Real Madrid specifically, but that's not to um, assume that many of the players uh, attached to the program. Uh, don't feel similarly mm-hmm. um, but you know lucia garcia Ana bataille you know these are players who are playing in the women's super league yeah. right now both attached to to man city or or man Un- or excuse me man united um so, it's there were players through this list that people were taking note of. Um,
0: yes, these are not players that are on the bubble of the national, yeah, they, team. Are like fully they are like they are starters
1: in the program. <laughs> they
0: have been with the national team in the federation for years since youth. Some of them and they're starters, they're big, influential yeah. players, as well as some players that are maybe on the bubble and have only a few caps under their name. So, this spans from uh, players of every single talent caliber on this team and and recognition
1: honestly yeah and and you know i I think you know uh, the news cycles uh, you know nowadays are are very quickly or run very very quickly and you know uh, people made wanted to make note not just of the players who were attached to these 15 emails but also wanted to make note of the players who were not attached, which uh, is just going to be like an unfortunate part of the the scenario. And um, people were making note that somebody like Alexia Puteas was not on there, or somebody like Jenny Hermoso was not on there. Um, and again, sometimes it's it's better to to wait than to be first. Uh, and we saw players; those players make statements. So you know, Alexia Puteas is is, is the reigning. Balon Dior winner. She's FIFA's mm-hmm. best player in the world, right? She's number one player in the world right now. You, you recognize the name, the face, uh, but unfortunately she's currently recovering from an AC in, uh, injury uh, of her own. So, you know, perhaps, um, you know, reasoning, you know, not being part of the the 15 right now is that ultimately like she's not a player that's being called into camps <laughs> at the moment, but um, she is yeah. somebody uh, since uh, the, the the news of these uh, 15 emails has come out, she has since uh, verbally voiced her concerns um, to the program. She came out with a statement reiterating as such like hey like I've, I've voiced these concerns earlier in the month directly to the president of the Royal Spanish Football uh, Federation. Um, so coming out with with her own statement on her own uh, social media platforms, uh, but also uh, Jenny Hermoso also making a statement as well. And this is a player um, we're talking about players who have been fully vested in in, in the in this, uh, Spanish women's program. This is one of those players. She's been around for, for quite some time, has had a, a number uh, of titles, one with with Barcelona. And now she's actually pretty removed in the sense where she's no longer actually playing in Spain. She's currently yeah. playing in Liga Megas Feminil, uh, in, in Mexico with, with Pachuca. And she also made a statement. Um and just saying that she wanted to publicly express support for, for her colleagues who communicated their position. Not only do I understand your reasons, but I've also experienced many in the feelings and concerns you've communicated. It is important to understand that the situation we're experiencing does not come overnight. And it is evident that it is a consequence of a cluster of events, behaviors, decisions, failed attempts, and exhaustion from trying to make the players' voices heard. So, um I think it's interesting and important to note that that while there was a, a kind of a collective statement of, that was obviously issued among right. the primary fifteen, that there's now these additional statements from two other players, two other players who are quite you know prolific you know to the Spanish national team program that kind of has um, you know a different a uh, different perspective on it, a more individualistic kind mm-hmm. of kind of voice or, or perspective on it. So. Um, I think it's important to note that it's it's like Aramosa said that this is something that doesn't just sort of come out of out of nowhere, um, right? Obviously, it's accumulation of of certain events.
0: And I think it's interesting the timing of all of this because the initial statement um, released by the federation came last Thursday, and Jenny Armosa's statement didn't come until yesterday, Tuesday, September twenty seven. So five days later, plenty of time for uh, this player to read what was happening, speak with some of her friends and teammates and un- get a grasp of everything that's happening. I'm sure she already had, but this statement from Armosa, um is thought out. It is, it's not a, a quick gut reaction response to what the Federation put out. And it also wasn't planned because yeah. the emails that were sent individually to the Federation from the players were not it, it wasn't planned. They didn't go to these other players, their Mosa, Putea, saying, hey, we're going to send these and and here's your get ready for your response. Put it out on Twitter. We're going to make a big public statement. They tried to do this very individualized, um, personally talking with their federation, their bosses, right? Like this is a job. These are professional athletes going to speak to them one-on-one. And the fact that it kind of I'm going to say blew up like this, but became public, became public. Yeah. didn't blow up, became public. The way it did is well, maybe, it's, it's, it's maybe not something of, the players initially wanted because they would have just put their statement
1: out there publicly. Well, yeah, I mean, because now it's 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 outside of of Spain. It's outside of a Spanish media market. Yeah, it's become a, a, a global story. Right. And and because of that, there's other notable players making reactions to this. I think this is where you call that a transition a little bit. We're going to talk about how how other players outside of Spain have reacted to this. Yeah. Uh, specifically members of the United States women's national team. we've had um, public uh, statements of support uh, from Alex Morgan, from Megan Rapino from 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 Becky Sauerbrunn. Uh, Alex Morgan saying that this is so hard to watch, knowing the Federation is throwing their players under the bus for asking for better protection, treatment and professionalism. Uh, players, the best players in Spain deserve so much better. Uh, Megan Rapino taking it a step further, saying, hey, you got a 16th player standing with you in the United States. Um, this many players together uh, is so powerful and we should all listen. And Becky Sovereign saying, um, I think the Spanish players said it best in their statement. Why would a group of players on one uh, one of the most talented teams in the world risk their careers and reputations? On unfounded, capricious complaints eight months before the FIFA Women's World Cup. I don't know the private details, but if 15 of the best players in the world wanted to share feedback, I'd respect them enough as people and players to take their concerns seriously. Um, These are again public displays mm-hmm. of support from again we're talking about prolific players for Spain these are three of the biggest players for the United States yeah. women's yeah. national team these are these are three players uh, similar to Hermoso who have been part of the United States women's national team program for many 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 years so um this kind of maybe sheds a little bit of a spotlight on what it could mean globally. We were talking about how there's a, an international an international window coming up. There are games on the schedule for these two teams. Specifically the United States are getting ready to, to, to head off to Europe and, um, participate in what is supposed to be as of right now, uh, a two game series in Europe, the first taking place against England um, on October 7th and another one on the 11th that is supposed to take place against Spain. Now I do wonder if something like this is, is potentially up in the air. Um, you know, what, what, what could it possibly mean uh, for the game? Because as, as our time of recording this and that's September 28th, you um, you know, a roster has already dropped for England. I'm sure there's one coming for the United States. What is it going to mean for for that next game? Uh, you know, against the against Spain. Some. What, what were some of your reactions when you saw some of these uh, uh, displays of support?
0: Um, I wasn't surprised at all to hear yeah. players like. Alex Morgan, Megan Rapinoe, Becky Sauerbrunn, U.S. soccer players speaking out about this um, and not just speaking out, but giving their support to the Spanish players and saying Mm -hmm. that uh, Megan Rapinoe, you got a 16 standing with you like that. That didn't surprise me at all. I mean, they know these people. They've been playing against them, some of them with them uh, for years, years. They know them. They watch them. It's such a it's soccer. I mean, any sport really is such a an activity that you admire the people that are doing incredible things and standing up for whether it's incredible things on the pitch but standing up to their employers or, or making a name for themselves or doing those things you, you support you salute you stand up and cheer for them as well so this response and not at all shocking but i think it is interesting that this comes just two weeks before the United States is supposed to be in Spain playing against the Spanish national team. And and kind of what does that mean? I think it's a bigger it's a bigger issue of is spain going to have enough players how is their competition roster going to be for yeah. the us because it's a bigger com- it's a bigger conversation than that because uh, there are plenty of spanish footballers that will join this national team whether they're youth players as mm-hmm. like that initial statement said but that's not the issue i think the spanish federation needs to come to a, a solution with their players. They need to have that conversation. I mean, I'm I'm preaching to the choir here. I know you you know this as well, yeah. but this is it, – it's a bigger issue than that. And I think these statements from these three players, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, Becky Sauerbrunn, is, is in line with that. It's not like, hey, guys, can you join the team so we can have a great competition yeah. on October 11th? It's, no, we're going to stand with you. You need to do yeah. what's right. If, you're, if you support- don't feel – if you don't feel safe and healthy, and you need yeah. a mental break, yes, take it. It's fine. We'll figure out the friendly later. Um, in so many words, right? So, but I think fans have to think of October 11th when the United States, um, after they play England, they're headed to Spain and kind of what happens, how that unravels, and I think more information will come, um, whether it's from the soccer feder the Spanish soccer federation or the U.S federation um in terms of kind of how they're going to approach this Uh, in addition to rosters right we should be getting those any day now so um yeah i I think more information to come but we wanted to catch everyone up on where we are up until this point wednesday two weeks before the match Uh
1: I feel like, yeah, like we both felt like it was important to talk about. Uh, not uh, obviously because uh, of the big glaring reason it's it's a piece of news that we wanted to talk about, but also be like, it's probably something that's going to continue to evolve, something that we're going to have to keep uh, an eye on in regards to to this international window and, and how things are impacted there. But just, um yeah, just just devastating to see this come out. It just sort of feels like, you know, two steps forward, one step back when you think about like, things globally collectively it's like you want to celebrate things like um you know the historic cba that that this u.s women's national team like just signed and then and then you're you're looking at a program like spain that is going through what they're going i I hate to even feel like this is like a a bit of deja vu but i I mean this is just so unfortunate that this is one of these things where we see a bit of news like this drop and just say oh this actually is is not unfamiliar. This is something that has happened before. This yeah. is something that that women's uh, senior women's national team programs across the world have had to deal with. Uh, uh, unfortunately, we we obviously have kept a close eye on it with the United States and and, and U.S. soccer and how they have tried to, you know, go ahead and evolve. And, and we've seen it with with Australia and then their are and the Matildas and their own federation. And we're watching it happen with, uh, you know, Spain right now. So it's just one of these things. It's it's exhausting. It almost kind of feels like, but it, it's something that's. Um, we're just going to have to keep an eye on and hopefully still be uh, diligent in terms of the coverage of it because um, the players that they're getting to this point, um, it almost sort of seems like a little bit of a, I don't want to say cry for help, but it's yeah. obviously a little bit something where they're trying to get resolved, whether it's before the world cup or in gen or in general, and hopefully uh, good things uh, come out of it for the players moving yeah. forward. Um, but uh, there was uh, some other news that dropped on the NWSL side of things. Something that we also wanted uh, to touch on here in this episode, as we took a deep dive on, on, on Spain, we wanted to talk about a situation that had um, occurred with the San Diego wave and angel city FC during that very epic sellout crowd of 32,000 there, unfortunately was um, a very terrible incident that occurred. The San Diego wave uh, were investigating an alleged races incident from that match uh, in which a visiting fan and angel city fan had, um, uh, said that they were essentially harassed and targeted. Uh, and they the San Diego Wave FC uh, organization went ahead and gave an update, saying, on Saturday, September 17th, at Snapdrag- Snapdragon Stadium, a Wave FC fan reportedly directed a racial slur and physical action towards two visiting Angel City FC fans. The club investigated the incident with the support of Snapdragon Stadium, the NWSL, and Angel City Follow-up interviews were conducted with witnesses to the incident. Although witnesses did not corroborate the use of offensive racist language, they supported the report of threatening and physical behavior at the game. The fan was issued a warning by security during halftime. However, the behavior continued and escalated at the end of the match. The behavior of the Wave FC fan violated the club code of conduct, which prohibits, quote, behavior that is illegal, disruptive, threatening, or violent in nature, including verbal, physical, or virtual harassment of match officials, players, staff, or other patrons, end quote. As a result, the club has issued a lifetime ban of Wave FC matches and community events to the individual involved. And they, uh, concluded their statement by saying, if you see uh, any incidents occurring at Snapdragon stadium, um, to say something, uh, contact a guest, a guest service representative or text your concern to 619-393-5705. So, um, unfortunate that something like that even had to happen, horrible. quite frankly, disappointing, horrible, um, Grateful that the organization issued this strong of a consequence. I'm not going to lie, Lisa, when I first saw this drop, I thought it was going to be something that was uh, swept away and under the rug. Um, this is not the first time, unfortunately, um, an alleged uh, racist and her harassing type of incident has occurred across NWSL stadiums. Um, quite frankly, at this point, doesn't matter what market you're in, whether it's a smaller market club or a larger market club. Uh, for whatever reason, um, there is poor behavior everywhere, and uh, I was a little taken aback at how a swiftly um, this this investigation was concluded, and b the uh, the end result and the consequence that was uh, yeah. delivered.
0: Yeah. I mean, the fact that this happened is just horrible. Come on. People do better. I know most of you do, but like it's yeah. the fact that this is even happening is just outrageous to me. But I think that it was called upon. Um, I, it seems like they spoke to the individual at halftime. And then as it, the game continued, that's yeah, when, that was a just little like bit a of little information, interesting, right? Like a little interesting that. They spoke to the individual at halftime. It was kind of like, "Hey, calm down." I guess I don't know what they said, but the fact that then continued and it was like, "Okay, you're done. All Wave yeah. games, all Wave community events. We've seen before when individuals get banned from certain stadiums, but this uh, from San Diego Wave saying you're you're banned from all of our games and all of our community events, meaning like you can't come around a- at all." Um, I also want to shout out Sleepy Repeat here in our chat because I think you make a great point, which is something like this needs to be recognized that it takes one highlight away from the 3,100, yeah. other fans because this was a huge game for San Diego Wave FC in Snapdragon Stadium, um, a, a crowd of 32,000 against Angel yeah. City. It was a sellout. It was an NWSL attendance record. It was something that... Um, San Diego maybe didn't think they could do initially, that NWSL didn't think they could do initially. I know that I had my hesitations at first when we saw San Diego playing in Torreyo a stadium that sits about 6,000, and they were selling that out weekly. But can you go to a 32,000-seat stadium that is Snapdragon and continue that? Yeah, they sure can. And I think that's definitely what needs to be celebrated that It was a sellout crowd um, against Angel City in this new stadium. San Diego is, I mean, I've like blown away by the expansion sides in the NWSL. Whether it's Angel City and everything they've been able to do or San Diego and everything they've been able to do with this 32,000 sellout crowd. NWSL playoffs in their first year as an expansion side. There's just a lot to be celebrated here as well that I think it's good to touch on.
1: Yeah, and um, I I hope that that something like a resolution like this, um, you know, ultimately is something that that supports you know, mm-hmm. uh, Martín Masias. You know, he was a person that that uh, uh, sort of took to Twitter and then talked about the experience that he and his partner had. While at this game, you know they were visit they were visiting fans, you know like they were, it was it was a California yeah. clash. It was you know two two new expansion teams, Cali clubs going head to head, and and I would imagine in the future there's going to be a lot of crossover right between between the two fans. Um, so I, I would hope that um, you know they obviously were reached out to with the uh, resolution of this. And, or at least I hope that that's the case. I hope they didn't find out about it just on, on Twitter. Um, and, and hopefully hope so, yeah yeah and hopefully this doesn't sour you know future experiences for them future experiences for for people who were you know in, in that section or or fans of of, of other club both clubs um in, in general in terms of the the beginnings right of, of this of this rivalry so um yeah again um glad that the the investigation took place and, and then the resolution on uh, consequence that, that that was issued uh, by san diego um and uh we, we will see uh if this is something that you know sort of uh, if you set the tone right maybe your fan base continues to sort of uh f- follow suit so hopefully this is uh the first and last time. Um, I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We won't know until we know, but I hope that it is. Um, but uh believe it or not, uh, we have a quick pick to make before we go, Lisa. Uh despite all the news and notes, there is a game that's happening today that you can catch on Paramount Plus. It is a women's super league match. It is going to be Chelsea FC versus West Ham I think maybe people just sort of thinking of the two teams going head to head maybe they're like oh that's not too big of a clash but actually two match days in to the season Chelsea and West Ham are five and six in the standings that they're going to be going head to head Lisa if you got to pick a winner in this one who would you be going with? And both Chelsea and West Ham
0: one and one. Um the one one, lost one. Um, okay, so if I have to go and I have to pick, honestly, I I'm I'm gonna go West Ham. Okay. Because right. I I like a little bit of an upset. Not that yeah. it's an upset, but I, I like a little bit of a challenge. And I think that Chelsea um is coming off. That loss that they just suffered to Man City, um, and 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 with West Ham, they're coming off of a, a win, a big win that uh, they played over Everton, and then then they got that loss um, against United. But I'm just, I, I want them to win. I want them to come out and show this Chelsea side what they can do. It's being played at Kings Meadow. I yeah, I'm gonna go West Ham on this one. What about you?
1: look I uh I love chaos so there's a part of me that wants to choose a draw and just say hey neither of you know. do each other any favors and you both just just sort of squeak out of here with the draw but you know for all the other reasons the reasons you mentioned I'm actually going with with Chelsea I think that they're a little hard-pressed still from from that upset and and mm-hmm. uh, how they want to turn their season around very quickly they don't want to make it a habit right of dropping uh points to to a team that that might be in a certain place in the table versus versus they are it could just be on brand for them as well you know You know, just sort of still kind of maybe kicking off some of that offseason rust a little bit and maybe they'll finally be kicking it into gear. So I'm going to be going with the Blues in this one as well. Everybody, you can actually catch that match today on Paramount Plus later on Wednesday. I believe it's 2 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you check it out when you get a chance. That's it. For us here at Attacking Third, thanks so much for listening to us as always. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere. You get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere. Subscribe to us on YouTube to know whenever we go live. It's the NWSL playoff push. We're gonna be yeah, we're gonna be taking a look at one final match day for NWSL as well. So make sure you're back with us for Friday's episode for Sandra Reda and Lisa Roman. This was Attacking Third.